Good morning. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> well, I appreciate. Thank you for having me. That's what's important. Okay. We appreciate your being here this morning. We're going to go ahead and get into our lesson. Um, We're going to be going back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. So you can go to that and we'll pick up from there and uh, move further along in the lesson. Um, It's been an interesting week. <laughs> Overall good, uh, no complaints, but uh, no no sense in complaining. Um, but it's been interesting. But here we are again, and um, these bodies we drag ourselves along with little aches and pains, and we do what we can. All right, uh, let's get back into our lesson. Um, we're going to go ahead and look to the word with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to come together and sit before you and just hear you speak through the Spirit. We thank you for your presence this morning. We know that where more than two are gathered in your name, you are present. And that is the very theme of this lesson today, that we are reminded of your presence at this time. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us, enlightening us, girding us up. And even in cases where it's needed admonishing us to do more, to look to you and to serve you. And we give you thanks and praise. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to get back into Hebrews 10.25 because we kind of left off there. And I want to pick up and gain some momentum into our lesson as we um, move forward with this entire lesson. Um, And the lesson essentially was from the, the lessons from Emmaus when... The, the two disciples were going down the road after Jesus was crucified, and they were talking about the Lord. And he, in a clandestine way, was uh, occupying them and spent time with them and broke bread with them. And it wasn't until after they had had conversations about who Jesus was that he revealed himself to them. And the comment was, didn't our hearts burn when we had a discussion about the very word, the very discussion about him? And what we need to be reminded of and what we have to be always conscious of is that in our hearts, in our flesh, we sometimes feel as though we are abandoned by God. And when in fact, that is just merely Satan trying to trip us up. When God says he never leaves us nor forsakes us, he means it. He means it in his word. He is very adamant about that and has emphasized that over and over again. And so we're reminded in these passages that he truly is with us. Now, the reason why we're circling back to Hebrews 10.25 is because we were having the discussion about the church. And the church is, is what we're really talking about here. We're talking about the church. Getting together and gathering together, not for the sake of having a, a club or a rotary club or a, a, a club where you guys do knitting or something like that. We're getting together uh, not as a social endeavor, partially social, but mostly because we have a like-mindedness for what? Serving Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we gather together. And we gather together also to bump us up and pump us up and remind us that we're not alone in our struggles. Amen? People around us have different lives that they're living We don't get together every day. We get together on occasion, sometimes during the week, but mostly we get together on Sundays to get together to reinforce the fact that we are believers in Jesus Christ. And we need that reinforcement and girding up. And the reason why we need that reinforcement and girding up is because we are not robots. We are flesh and blood. We are people. We have places where we slip and fall at times. We stumble We have scuffles with life, and sometimes we need a reminder as we get together that God is present, always has been, always will be, and the people around us that we gather with have something in common, a relationship with him, and struggles that we need sometimes to be reinforced with and helped out with. 
That's why we gather in a church. And we had brief discussions about the first church description in Acts chapter 2 and about people gathering together. Notice how they gathered together, not just in the temple, but they gathered together in different people's homes and shared the word. So the church is not just a four-wall function. It is outside of the church as well, too, where you gather as well. And we as a body have practiced that as well, too. When we went to the park at Hardesty Park, that was a gathering of our church for a picnic for the purposes of what? Reaching out, helping other people, supporting other people, having fellowship time, breaking bread together. That's what we did. That's exactly what we did. And it was a great function. And it was very successful in the fact that extended family members who have never seen the inside of this church saw us in a different setting where we were fellowshipping with them together, many of them for the first time. It was a really great thing to see. Because the reality is that there's a lot of people who don't understand the purpose of a church other than thinking like, well, it's just y'all just trying to trap me into something. You're all trying to get me to do something I don't want to do. Well, they don't have an understanding of that. People need to see people in the church, outside the church, functioning as normal human beings, having conversations, talking about sports, talking about whatever it is, but still fellowshipping in such a way where if you look at us, you say, well, Jesus was present because of the people and what was being said. But we need to understand that there is, go to Hebrews 10.25. Let's look at this real quick one more time. Hebrews 10.24 sets it up. 10.25 is the key verse, but 10.24 sets it up. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Well, how are you stirring up one another to love and good works? In other words, you're sitting at home. You can watch TV. You can stay in the house all day if you want to. You might walk outside and go get some fresh air and maybe not talk to anybody. You know, you can go the entire day without talking to anyone if you want to. Amen? You can go an entire day and not talk to anybody and be a church-going person. But now let's look at this. How do you stir one another to love and good works? Get out of your house. Go to church. Not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some, notice that we emphasize that this is some, something that some people are just going to do no matter what. You are not like those people. That's what it's trying to emphasize to you. Don't be like those people. Don't be like the ones who have a habit of not getting out and going to a place like a church. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near we're here to encourage one another because we know that as every day passes we're one day closer to what jesus's return based upon everything we understand in scripture and what we've been taught we know there is a day coming we don't know when that day is but we know there's a day coming when jesus is going to return and every day that passes we're one day closer so, in other words, there's no time's a-wasting. You need to do what you can with the time that you have to encourage others, fellowship with others in the church, encourage people to invite people to church. Let's not stop inviting people. I, I learned something very important about the picnic and about another event we had here as well, too, because I have a friend at work who lives in Maple Heights. No, Garfield Heights. Lives in Garfield Heights, not too far from where I work in Beechwood. Well, I, I'm going to, I said, I, we had conversations about her church. It's some church in Cleveland that's dysfunctional. Okay, it's just one of those types of old, old school churches. Invited her to come down here for, what was that, Lynn? It was the, the ladies, um, it was the ladies' brunch. And she came. Now, she was in Garfield Heights. Now, the invitation was made because... She has her own church, and I knew that. And she has her mother that she takes with her to church, so that was going to be a, a burden to bring her, have her come down here. I said, well, why don't you come down to the ladies' brunch? And she did. 
because she had heard conversations about our church, my church, where I go, what I do, what I'm involved in. And that's why you are to never neglect to invite people, even if it means something about where they're located. Make the invitation anyway. If you don't make the invitation, what do you think is going to happen? Absolutely nothing. If you don't make the invitation, you're already guaranteed that nothing's going to happen. Now, I know most of you here, all of you here are in Akron, aren't you? You're all Akronites, except for um, Miss Debbie, who's the Northern Summit County contingent, uh, part part of the committee, Northern Summit County. But you guys are in Akron. You have a very easy pocket of people to invite. Invite them. Invite them to come. What's the worst thing that can happen? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, You know, you might get some weird answer. It doesn't really matter, does it? Make the invitation. Because you know that this is a place where people can sit and learn and hear the word and understand the word as they spend more time with you, as you show the example of believers and what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we have to understand that that passage, it gets a little bit more deeper into what happens if you live a certain way and you're not following the Lord and there's all kinds of things going on. So don't neglect to meet together. So we need to join together, hang out frequently. Don't miss a chance getting together with your fellow believers. Here it says, don't miss a chance. Don't miss a chance. Make the most of your days. Make the most of your time. Everyone in this room understands that the days that you live are not promised. You don't know how much time you have. Therefore, you should make the most of what you have. Make the most of it. My dear friend, um, uh, did you go ahead? I'm sorry. You had your hand up? I didn't know. Well, we're talking about a couple different things. What you're saying is correct. Okay? The, the idea, though, we have to understand is... Yeah. What we have to do is understand that we're talking about two different things. It certainly is our responsibility to go out and disciple and learn and talk to people about Jesus. But we also have to also recognize, too, that there are going to be situations where you're not able to do that for whatever reason, but you're still encouraging people to gather together in a church. Understand something. A lot of people are not coming to church right now, and we're not, and we're not just talking about this church or any other church in the area. We're even talking about larger churches that had huge attendance, 
but because people are now becoming more hardened to hearing the word. And they're just not getting involved with churches. But here we see in scripture, though, the importance of getting together. Because, to your point, Hebrews 10.26 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice of sins for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. What you're talking about is to prevent that stuff. Ultimately, you're trying to prevent people from receiving a fate where they need to be encouraged to come into the church and still learn and gather and being reinforced up. Your discipleship, your witnessing to people to tell them to come to Christ is just the beginning, Paul. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's getting people to now have the desire to gather together and fellowship and learn amongst one another because I've seen a lot of people who got saved and learned nothing afterward because they didn't come to a place where they could learn. So to your point, it's valid, but we're talking about a couple different things because we want to make sure that You've got to do additional teaching and reinforcement after that person gets saved. That's a fact. So you need to make an invitation. You need to steer people towards a church. Not this church necessarily, maybe another alliance church, wherever it is. It doesn't really matter. But you need to know, all of you need to know, what churches are teaching the word and where someone can go. Don't send somebody to some okey-finokey place where you know all they're doing is playing cards. That's up to you to learn that. You need to be talking to people around you about good churches and where to send people. That's what you need to be doing. So, you know, I can steer someone to a church in Twinsburg if somebody needs Twinsburg. Okay? You need to know these things. Yes. Hebrews is a great book. Yeah. Hebrews 10.32 says, But recall the former days when you, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Is that, well, the whole idea is that once you, once you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's when the fun begins. And I'm using the word fun in a very quotational thing. You, you're going to see that the opposition, Satan's going to do anything he can to steer you away from your own mission. Mm-hmm. As I get older, numbers seem to leave me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, just one moment, I went this way, this group, and none of the girls here had starting signs or bad girls from the front or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I said, hold on, I'll go online. I yeah. Said, you made me bigger party, but I'm getting older. I, don't, I just go. So That's I fine. Okay. And when they add, I'll Sounds good. But it was really hard. I mean, I went through everything. I said, oh my gosh, you used to have the address of God, but it's gone now. It's on our website. Yeah, but what I'm saying is. It's not on our, our bulletins, right. Well, I don't know. You're, you're looking at a bulletin now, aren't you? We've been using that. But here's the thing we need to make keep in mind, too, as we, we have these conversations. Are you prepared to tell people about our church? 
I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. What are you prepared to say about our church? Are you prepared to make that invitation to come here? You know that they're going to come here, that they're not going to be steered in the wrong direction. And we'll help them along. If there's a question that someone has about something, you know, we're going to have the talk about this evening at 5 o'clock. And the talk about is specifically for what? Questions. Asking questions. Questions you might have about life in general. Questions you have and, and let we can point to you scripturally and biblically as to how to address those questions. That's why we do what we do. That's what a church should do. Thank you. Okay. And I said, after my they said, well, where's that? I said, it's on Diagonal Road. Yeah. They're trying to orient themselves. And I, I said, you should come. Well, why? I said, because we're getting to God's Word. There you go. Out of God's book. That's right. And I, I think you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. We need to grow in Christ by mm-hmm. coming to church. Got to come to church. Yeah. We need to share our faith. Sharing our faith, sharing our faith is actually a lifelong process. We are learning to share our faith as we go along. But we also know that we need to share our faith. We have to start with our own families. I mean, it starts from where you live, doesn't it? You know, there are people in my family who, well... I shouldn't say they don't know the Lord. Uh, there's a few more that do now, or seem to have an impression of the Lord, and, and one seems to be growing and learning, and he was an agnostic. So progress is being made, but sometimes that process takes time. You just don't stop being who you are in the process of sharing this stuff. That's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of what we're talking about. So let's go further. We talked about the first church in Acts chapter 2. Just turn to that real quick. We're not going to cover all of that because we covered it before. But we recognize the very premise of how church should be. The fellowship of the believers is actually the heading over this section. And there's a reason why we do what we do. First of all, when we gather together in God's name, God remains. He's never left us. But he really does show up in other ways that we don't always expect. One of the things where he shows up in is in healings and miracles and touching people who are ailing. Um, I'm praying for, how many of you know Jim Amer at Amer's West Hill Marathon? Okay. Lifelong Akron resident. Jim is scuffling right now. He's got cancer. He's got lung cancer. It's not publicly known, but he needs your prayers. He needs your prayers. He's got the kind of lung cancer he he shared. We happened to bump into him on Friday. Totally random. And he shared, he he said, he he took off his ball cap and he showed me his head because he's had chemo and radiation treatment. So he was showing me that he was looking a little more like me now. uh, Less hair on his head. But he's got the... I don't think so. That's the key here. We need to pray. He's, a, he's one of those guys that he's the nicest guy, will do anything and everything for you. He's very good, very fair in pricing. I have gotten my car fixed there and I've, for, for years because I know that he's a trustworthy guy. But I don't think he knows the Lord. Um, he may be Catholic, not sure about that. I've never heard him mention it. Okay, he may be. But my point is, is that we need to pray for him. Pray for him for the healing. He's, he's got some more, radi- is it radiation? Chemo, chemotherapy. Because this kind of thing that he has in his lungs, he says it can spread to your brain as well too. So he's even taking treatments for that. So he's pretty sick. But he's the kind of guy that just is going to keep on going as long as he can go. Because that's his, that's his mentality. That's his attitude. But we now need to pray for his salvation as well too. That's what we as a church, there's strength in numbers. By the body and the fellowship learning and knowing about this, there's strength in numbers. Now you know how to pray. 
He's right there. His, you know where his shop is. It's right on the corner of uh, Market Street and Merriman. It's right down there, the Marathon Station. So keep him in prayer. But remember that God, because you're praying, because you're fellowshipping, you're doing all these things as you should be doing, you have things in common, the things in common being that you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you can see many wonders and signs being done. That's what's in verse 43 of Acts 2. Many signs and wonders. Why do we need signs and wonders? Signs and wonders, as read in Scripture. Why do we need signs and wonders? To strengthen your faith. That's, it. That's exactly it. The signs and wonders are to strengthen your faith. They're to reinforce all this effort you're putting forth to learn about Jesus Christ, do more about Christ, serve Him, speak about Him, talk about Him. You need signs and wonders to strengthen your faith because we know that our faith needs strengthening on a regular basis. Amen? Amen? We need strengthening. We need that evidence of this work. Yes. Okay. Said, oh, yes, you were. <laughs> okay. 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 It doesn't have to be the biggest sign. It can be something very little. That's the thing. We have so many ways that God does these things to us, we sometimes take it for granted. He absolutely moves in magnanimous ways, but he also moves in very small and subtle ways. But you still have to point back to, well, how would I have found this out if it wasn't for God actually doing something to get it to happen? That's the other thing we have to keep in mind, too. Signs and wonders don't have to be this big thing. They can be very little things. They could be a series of little things. That's right. You don't even know you've been blessed. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, before I left the house, it's only worked two days a week across the street over mm-hmm. here. And I knew there was going to be violence on the streets coming through. Mm-hmm. Thursday night, the people see me from Saturday. I just so appreciate it. I know that you have your family and your husband. And you know I was quickly to understand some God. And I could see them dropping down the road. Mm-hmm. And this is little things. Mm-hmm. He knows they're dear to your heart. That's exactly right. That's how God operates. Absolutely. So look at verse 47, if you have Acts 2 open. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now that was the first church because they were obedient to God. They were focusing on God. They were looking to God, and God affirmed their faith and their belief and gathering together. Because he kept adding people to the fellowship. Now clearly, you wish that would happen here. But we also recognize that this was the first church. So there had to be a growth at that point of the number of believers that were actually following the way, as it was called back in the day. I didn't know that was going to rhyme like that, but that was pretty cool. So they were following the way. But there was a lot of persecution that took place at that time, too. Now, it's not unlike what we experience. It may not be physical, 
But it certainly can be emotional. It certainly can be, it can be physical. But ultimately, we need to understand that this is the model that we should be following as we gather together. So we don't want to neglect meeting together because we want to basically go to a place where we're saying, we're not, negle- we're not meeting together because we're trying to get out of the world, by the way. Remember? We had this conversation before. It's not to get out of where all the crazy people are out there. Okay? We're not monks. We're not hermits. We're not better than anybody else. But to Paul's point, we should be trained when we go out to be able to speak about Jesus when the Spirit tells us to. Because there's going to be a time when the Spirit is going to tell you to talk to somebody. You don't know why, but you know you need to. But you need to be trained to be able to understand when the Spirit is speaking to you. The training comes from gathering together in a fellowship and having discussions and conversation about that. You know, that might be a great discussion for the talk about tonight. Do you know when the Spirit is speaking to you? That's going to be either a yes or a no or a maybe. But you need to be trained to understand what it is that you're listening to. Because God speaks to each and every one of us differently. Differently. As we are different creations, where none of us are alike, none of us are the same, He speaks to us differently based upon your makeup and your personality. There may be a very small voice. There may be a very subtle nudge. There may be a very loud, don't you dare. But he does speak. But now, when you get through the training and you get through this fellowship time and looking at God's word and seeing how God is speaking to you through his word because his word does speak, it is a living word. That living word projects right off the pages of your Bible and right into your heart. He will speak to you about, and you'll hear him speak when it's time to move, when it's time to come back, but he does speak. Yes. This reminds me of my lesson yesterday about helping Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we need to understand that, yes, he does speak to us. He speaks to us differently. I mean, when I say differently, too, I'm not talking about for as many people that are out there, he speaks to you in like a myriad of ways. He does speak to you in different ways. God does still speak through dreams. He does speak through dreams. And we went through, when we had that seminar, there were at least a dozen things we covered on different ways God speaks to us that are documented and point back to Scripture. So we know that, and of course there's more than a dozen. I mean, that was just a a thumb sketch, thumbnail sketch of what he does. But that just shows you how much he is in tune to you as a person. When he says he's never leaving you or forsaking you and the Spirit dwells within you, that means he's there at all times. No matter how you're feeling. Remember, you can turn the Spirit on and off like a light switch sometimes if you want to. If you're depressed, you won't, the, the Spirit's not going to necessarily speak to you except if you just call on him, he'll give you some comfort. doesn't mean you'll feel better right away, but he will do that. But you have to ask him. You need to understand those very things. Now, in the passage here, it talks about going back and looking at all of Hebrews 10, chapters 19 through 39. And it's more than just developing a heart for God and living in anticipation of his imminent return. It's much more than sitting at home. So what I'm going to do, go back to Hebrews 10. And let's take a look at that passage here and understand why we do what we do. You understand something. If you can't explain why you do what you do when it comes to fellowshipping in a church, then why can't you? You need to be able to explain why you're doing what you're doing. 
this passage is going to give you some insight as to why you're doing what you're doing. First of all, never ever think that coming to church is a waste of your time. Now that's an attitude issue. Never ever think you're wasting your time. You're not wasting your time. It's not a waste of time. Hebrews 10? Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Calling people to come to that particular organization. Okay. Even emphasize the fact that it's salvation only in this organization. Ah, okay. I, I, you got to pay your tithes, and you got to do all of this, and you can't go somewhere else. I'm going to mess with you now. Okay. It's interesting that you would mention that as soon as... As soon as Pastor Gus shows up and walks in and sits down, you start talking about stuff like that. Yeah, you didn't see him come in, did you? <laughs> Go ahead. You, Brother Beecher, uh, to your, you make a very good point. I'm just messing with you. I understand. Okay. Go ahead, Ed. What is it? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Acts 3.24. Yea, all, all the prophets of Samuel and those that follow after as they have spoken and have likewise foretold of these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the Okay. Unto you, unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away everyone from his iniquity. Okay. The point being made simply is this, is that if you go back to the origin mm-hmm. of what was just said, mm-hmm. we are the children, children, children of those very people. Mm-hmm. If you go back as far as you want to go back. Mm-hmm. We are the offspring. current uh, offspring mm-hmm. of those. Right. If we so choose. If we choose not, then we are not. But no one is going to know if we don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. It's about souls. Mm-hmm. And it is not up to us as individuals to say this soul is more important than that soul. God created souls. God is interested in the harvest, which are souls. Not what we think, because before we knew or expressed an interest, he was still making preparations and a way for us to get back to him as a result of our souls. So people, my opinion, Mm -hmm. where we reap, or where we harvest is really not that important. Just harvest. I agree. We can harvest here in the church. We can harvest out in we can harvest out in the field. Everyone thinks that the field is somewhere else. The field is is wherever God has placed you. That's if right. it's a nursing home, yep. harvest. If it's here, harvest. We come together to learn how to harvest. We come together to build up the crop. We come together to build up the family. We come to build up one another. Where uh, scripture says, where two or more are gathered, there I am. So wherever God is, it's about the harvest. And it's about harvesting not just the ones that we're talking to, but because there's other people that are in the audience. The little ones, the older ones, we don't know who's watching. So wherever you go, you know nothing about the presence of what you leave because of what the Spirit is doing. You might be ministering to somebody you never meet. Two things. I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you done? Were you I'm done? good. You do your okay. thing First of all, two things came up as he was speaking. He's absolutely right about the harvesting part. Don't assume that everybody that comes to church is a believer. Well, 
But see, that's the, that answers your question from earlier. Yes, it's important to share the gospel, but it's up to them to accept it, and it's up to the Spirit to impart that person to say, yes, I need the Lord. But you still invite them to church, because you get them, even if they don't make the decision, you're, a seed is being planted when you're talking to someone about Jesus, correct? A seed's being planted. Seeds are being planted in that person's life. Someone waters, someone tills the soil, someone else does it to the point where he says, I need the Lord. That's the first thing. So you still will share, but you're not going to get 100% conversion. Because that's up to the Spirit to do the conversion. The Spirit must be the one to tell that person, I need Jesus. Now you make the invitation, get them in here. Like I said before, some people don't know the Lord when they come in here. That's why you make the invitation. The invitation, if you don't make an invitation, you're not coming here. Or any church. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Yes. Yes. It could be another one. So let's be clear about this. This is not just about inviting people to come to church. The problem we have when we stop these lessons in between, this lesson is all about remembering and reminding us that Jesus is always with us. And how we behave and how we act in the process of all of this means that part of our responsibility is to invite people to church. So that, let's be clear about that. I don't want you guys coming in here and saying, well, it's all about just inviting people to church, because that's not what we're saying. We are saying that this is part of your responsibility, understanding that Jesus is always present in your life, and you want to live and show people that Jesus is always in your life. And part of your vocabulary, let's use that, part of your vocabulary is to invite people to the fellowship. Why? There's a benefit in doing so. Because we recognize what the benefit is by gathering together. And those are all reasons why we share these verses. So I want to make sure it's very clear that it's just one thing that we should be doing out of a myriad of things in being obedient to the Father. Because we know there's a benefit to have people come to church. When you're walking the streets, who's teaching you? The world is teaching you a whole bunch. There comes a point where we have to overcome that teaching. Well, the Spirit does all of it, ultimately. But we have to encourage people there, is other, there are other ways for you to live, other ways for you to function, and for them to understand those things. Either you're going to have to go find them every time they're out there or invite them to come in and let them know that you don't bite and you're the one that's going to help them along with that in the process, with the teaching that comes from the church. Okay, I had one hand here because we're approaching the end, and then I'll come over to Paul because I saw his hand up. You know, I, I, I like what all of you have said, uh, but to your point, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we make assumptions that people are saved. Oops, yeah. Maybe I'm sitting inside of the church wall, uh, and I, I like what you say, you know, our lives are to be lived. Mm-hmm. We are to be in relationship. Before we, you know, just mm-hmm. hone in on dragging them mm-hmm. into the church. Mm-hmm. And I always keep in remembering, mm-hmm. um, and I still carry in my wallet a note that I received sitting in church. And, and, and part of my point is, don't think, I want to very tactfully say this, start looking at people and thinking that, that maybe they're a little less, less inadequate from, from you, or you're inadequate than somebody else, but just share is what I hear. Share mm-hmm. your faith, your relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. and God will touch the heart and bring the harvest. Uh, that's just part to 
harvest. And even right. when we, we're half cocked ourselves, mm-hmm. he can use you. That's right. Because I was passing through Oregon when I was stationed with the military at a church, and they were getting word, and I felt like, you know, they, they were getting good word. The main pastor was off at, at a convention or something. Assistant pastor taught his Sunday school class. I was fairly new, sitting in the Sunday school class that I had to get oriented in. Mm-hmm. And I made one simple comment. Yep. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm not shy of being a little bold. No. <laughs> and I made a comment that many people know Jesus mm-hmm. as a student in this class, but a lot of people don't have a personal relationship. Well, the following week, the main pastor came back, and he said, wow, I hear y'all been doing some reviving here. Why don't we go? <laughs> and, I, you know, he said, well, I'm going to introduce this person to you guys. Many of you know him. Uh, you've seen him. And as he's talking, a note got passed to me, and it was from Reverend Nelson that had been a minister for years under that pastor. And his note said to me, it was through conversation Lord have mercy. That's that's what you guys have got to understand. Yeah. You've got to understand that. Before, you, before I get to you, you have to understand something. You can go and sign up for classes to learn Bible and go to a seminary. You can do all of that stuff and get credentials for that. You can get installed as a pastor at a church because of your credentials. But you need to understand that you don't have to You can't prove to anyone you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's between you and the Lord. And there are people in responsible areas, because I knew that just because of what you said. It just made me think about a million other things when you said that. There are people who don't know the Lord that need that personal relationship to truly be used by God in an effective way. And that goes back to his comment about harvesting in the church because you don't know. You don't know. We're all good actors. We all can act. We learn, we become good actors when we're children. When we're children in line at the grocery store, we perform like we're going for an Academy Award because you can cry and not cry on whenever you feel like it and raise a tantrum. We become great actors at a very young age. And all we do now is just transfer that to adulthood. That's what we need to understand about the importance of fellowship. Fellowship, not just in the church, but being the church wherever you go. That is the point of our responsibility. That's what this lesson is talking about. Not just in one place, but everywhere we gather. Okay, I made you wait. Sorry about that. Because we're, we're ending now. <laughs> yes, he does. Amen. So you can you become exposed, and we need people who have studied the depth of God's word mm-hmm. to share with us. That's right. So that we can grow in the meat of the word. That's right. Too many 
That's right. And we come to church to be entertained. That's right. And, and you're exactly right. You know, God knows that there are some people that need to, to see the gathering and, and to hear from the credentialed teacher. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that reject that. Yep. And so he's provided us all with this, our own talents and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, gifts. Yeah. Amen. He dealt with the poor people and the rich people. Mm-hmm. That's he right. He was hardest on the rich people. Uh, yes, he was. And rightfully so. Yes. Yes, he is. That's right. Amen. It should. It's, it's, it's very humbling. Go ahead. I got a call from Church Road uh, this week, and she told me the young lady that she's attending church with now. She, I used to babysit for her, and we used to when she was a little girl. Um, we lived on. They lived down here. We lived up here. And she told Sister, do you remember when we were eight years old? You asked me did I want to accept Jesus into my heart? And Crystal was like, No, I don't remember that. She said, But that's what happened. I'm telling you guys, you see, this is, why, this is why we need to have this conversation. We need to talk this whole thing through. You're not, you're not wasting your time. You're doing the Lord's work by speaking up about Jesus Christ and encouraging the fellowship because the, the fellowship is what people learn, even those hardened people who are in authority. It is a heart issue. I think what Paul's talking about, it's a heart issue. You can learn the word and memorize it backwards, forwards, sideways, upside down, but if it doesn't hit you in the heart, what good is it? It doesn't do anything. It's just like reading another textbook. All right, we have to stop. We'll pick up next time. I know. We'll pick up next time. This was a great discussion. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you and just sit and hear you speak to us through the Spirit. We thank you for your presence this morning. We pray that the things that were spoken of today remain steadfast in our hearts about the desire and the reminder to continue to look to bringing people into the fellowship because you're the teacher. You're the one who gives instruction. Once a person gets saved, there's more to be done. We thank you for reminding us of that. We thank you also now for the upcoming message and the speaker. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.